Welcome to another episode of Ross Never Sleeps. I'm your host, Alex Ross. I sit down with Justin Bruckman of Bruckman MMA, one of the three figureheads of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Ontario. We talk about how kids today are looking to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu like they did karate years ago, what it's like running a gym, what it's like training competitors that are competing in the UFC, the big stage, what it's like being a coach, he himself being a competitor and, you know, his story and raising a family, so many different insights that only someone like Justin, who is well-spoken, but really full of amazing and interesting, you know, perspective, but it's the attitude that he brings to this industry. He He's really a no-bullshit kind of guy, and, and as somebody who looks to interview people who are really going to give an insight into the industry, Justin is the perfect kind of spokesperson and I'm very fortunate to have sat down with him and he brings light to a lot of different and interesting topics that most of us who watch UFC or try to keep up with the industry you know in the end of the day there's so much in the sense of politics and rules and regulations it's hard to really understand and where the sport's going so really a big thank you to Justin for coming and being himself and this really made for a quite an interesting Ross Never Sleeps. Thank you for listening again on the Never Sleeps Network. I'm your host, Alex Ross, and we sit down with Justin Bruckman. been involved in Ontario for what 20 plus years uh almost 20 years yeah you have joined forces with other territorial leaders yeah Omar Salvoza yeah absolutely Tony Isaacs yeah. Fernando Gringo Zulek other than the fact that I would say Omar being very much into his own stuff and what he does, but also floats around with uh, yeah. the Ottawa people and, 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 and the Mississauga and Brampton people with Bravado and, and Tony Isaacs. I would say the, between the four of you guys, you each control one third. Not to say that you each control 25% each, but I would say you are very much so the outskirts yeah. Yeah, of, definitely. of Toronto. Mm-hmm. You know, you got your what, your... Oshawa's, your like Port Oshawa, Perry's. Ajax, and Port Perry, and some East too, like Coburg and stuff. Little places. where a lot of these competitors, it's their breeding grounds. Yeah, small towns, wrestling champions, farm boys, yeah. Yeah. people who like to get into trouble, and and this is a great outlet for them. Whereas Fernando has kind of got the kids market down. Yeah, and he's got such a respect for the sport that comes back to him. Mm-hmm. That he gets people from all over, but mm-hmm. more so, I think he's he's the, he's smart, oh, he's absolutely, in the sense that he knows that he's building the next generation. Yeah, yeah. So much more than I would say the Mississauga bravado guys who mm-hmm. are trying to, of course, involve himself. I mean, Tony does the kids tournament every year, mm-hmm. but I would like to think that the families with the sensibility to let their kids train are more so in like the North Yorks, the York regions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they got a little bit of middle upper middle class money in their pocket. Kids that used to do karate when I was a kid are now turning to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. I know you have a kids program. Yeah. But is it 50-50 like gringos or uh, – Yeah, it's pretty close to 50-50 really. I, I think the people don't see it as much because we're not as competitive. 
right? So we don't put ourselves out there quite as much. Gringo's everywhere, right? He markets himself and he's really involved in the competition scene and stuff. I think that's why you see him so much more and you see how many kids he really does have. You know what I mean? Like my, my, for me, it's not so much about winning tournaments, but keeping my kids out of trouble. So if I can give them a place to be four days a week, that's more important than us going and winning medals, you know? It's amazing because you are in a more, let's say, rural yeah. area of Ontario. So kids are outside more, but they also have access to video games, and they're still kids, and they all have phones and tablets. But I would like to think that there's more of a need for these kids to expend energy, not just outside, but especially in the winter months where they can't go outside. And yeah. I'm sure you give them a great option. Whereas in downtown, there's kid, there's things to do for every kid. Yeah, yeah, a lot of competition, a lot of different things for kids. Yeah, right, not just sports, even you know, yeah. like. Or and even in the sports world, there's so many different variations of what kids are doing these days. I mean, they're like karate and and judo and all that stuff. The basics still exist, and they always will. You know what I like about Brazilian jiu-jitsu is it because it's so well-rounded, so well-rounded with all these different mixed martial arts in a sense. Without mm-hmm. saying that it is MMA, I mean, it, yeah. it's the base. I guess it's you would more say pro- it's pro- more pro- progressive than most martial arts. Progressive is definitely the word. Yeah. Okay. You personally have a voice that I don't think is tapped right now with a, the budding industry that is BJJ in Ontario, with your JITS magazines and your websites popping up here and there. I don't take you as a literary person. I don't see you sitting down at a computer. Not at all. No. You know, Facebook's probably the most typing, and it probably takes a lot of your day just messaging <laughs> all these people yeah. and responding, yeah. rather. Yeah. But you're very opinionated in what I think in a respectful way. You're very understanding of your audience. You know how to definitely speak to the market and you've developed yours in a very unique way. You know, you you don't beat around the bush. You're very blunt and people respect that. But you've been through a lot to get where you are now. I would say from what I understand from your career, you started training yourself, worked your way up early in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu belt system mm-hmm. you, you got your black belt but before that you were a judo champion you fought in amateur kind of what the ufc has been built into all these little organized yeah. events that blew up into the ufc that finally took care of the market i mm-hmm. mean and but by the time you were pretty much on your way out you were what developing your own school yeah it, it kind of overlapped i got injured pretty badly and then uh I opened my club and uh, retired, pretty much retired from MMA in the same year, and it all just kind of fell together, right? Where it got really popular when I was when I was done, right? When I was fighting, there was no money and no one was watching it. It was like the year after I stopped fighting where it really blew up. So I just I just happened in the right place at the right time. Who trained you? Uh, my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu professors are Shaw Franco and uh, Master Silvio Baring from Brazil. And what are they doing now? Uh, they're both still deeply involved. You'll see uh, Silvio Bearing everywhere. He's got academies all over the world. He's, I think he's eighth degree black belt. He's really highly ranked in Brazil. So uh, I don't, I don't see either one of those guys nearly as much as I used to. But we still keep in contact. You know, uh, you grow apart, right? So everyone's spread out all over the place, and and certain politics, you know, kind of put a spin on things that don't necessarily keep everyone together over time. Recently, you you just helped Lindsey Garbett mm-hmm. compete. Tell us about what you would be looking for as far as exposure. Are you looking for more Lindsay Garbets? Um, I'm not necessarily looking for it. Like, 
you know, the great fighters kind of land in your lap. It's a, a pile of different variables that just always end up. Like, I don't, I don't try to go looking. You know, I mean, if, if people show up at my doorstep and I can help them, we can succeed together. That's what I'll do. You know, I don't try to push the MMA or the competition on anyone. Like, but I, I know my place and I know I have a lot of knowledge to share. And I think that's why people come to me, right? So, how did you get into BJJ? I was in, I got involved in judo. Early on in my, well, when I was about 22, and I, I, a very short time, I got my black belt in as fast as possible. I think I was black belt in 99. I just kind of met, but I wanted to do MMA. That's why I started martial arts, you know? And uh, I met some jujitsu guys because we were looking for someone to train with, and then I, I just fit in better with them. So I started training with Monkey and a few other guys from down here. I used to come to Toronto every single day, all the way up from where I lived in the sticks. That, like, so that just blew up into something that, like what you see today, like the first, Everyone I started training with, Marco Costa, myself, Monkey, Antonio, uh, Gringo, a couple, every, all those guys came from the same room. I mean, we all, we all started jujitsu together. And that, I think that's a big part of the way our community works too, because, uh, like there's a lot of, a lot of respect there as well. But I quit, I quit judo because I was like, jujitsu is so much friendlier and, and more function, more functional as a martial art as to my end goal, which was MMA. Right. So yeah, I started, I started judo March 2nd, 97. And I quit my job March 3rd, and I've never done anything ever again except train martial arts. You started judo in 97. Yeah. And you started jujitsu shortly after that? Oh, about nine, beginning in 99 or something like that. So two and years. I, and I cross-trained. And then my professor, Silvio Baring, said, finish your black belt. Make sure you finish what you started. So I finished my black belt, and then he my blue belt, and then I never went back to judo ever again. You've got your black belt in judo as well. Yep. What's it like having so many black belts? Um, I don't know. It's all I've ever known, so I never thought about it. And what's the red... Sh- patch or stripe okay so red the red is it means you're a teacher the red stripe is teacher when you get your white stripes on either end of your red that means you're a professor you gotta gotta climb up the ranks you get the name because to me you know black belt's the be all end all what do i know but it's amazing you're said in this sport you know if you're green you grow and if you ripen you die yeah so it's amazing even at the top level there's still this ability to you have to learn all the time uh you can't learn as much as you used to when you're you uh this information just bombards you when you're a white belt you know what i mean but the more you know the less there is to learn but so you struggle a little bit as you get further into the martial arts to but you're always learning i can watch my white belts or blue belts or see a competition or be online and pick new stuff up all the time it's just not as doesn't come at you as fast as it used to right but you in order to be a good teacher you have to constantly educate yourself so your students can progress with the modern techniques, whatever else. Like I still teach a lot of the same basics that I did years ago, but I'm always keeping my eye to the tournament scene and whatever else to see what's happening, right? There's always better ways to do things, whether it's on the mats, cutting weight, you know, nutrition. You got to educate yourself all the time. The community that you started in, tell me more about what it's like being in <clears throat> Canada when Brazilian jiu-jitsu is obviously... South America, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 hard to to fathom what brought it to Canada in the first place. How a group of guys such as yourselves get involved and take it to where it is now. What was it like being in Canada? Like, I mean, judo seemed to have made it because it's an Olympic sport, mm-hmm. so it's on a worldwide scale. But Brazilian jiu-jitsu isn't, and it's almost competing with judo as far as popularity today. So yeah. you yeah. know, as something that was coming from Brazil and South America. In a warm climate, that the Gracies kind of bred mm-hmm. in that part of the country, part of the world. What is it like being from Canada and seeing this happening? And and how did you know that this was 
the path? How did uh, like, how, like I didn't, you know, you know what it was? It was the UFC that brought it to North America, right? So people saw Hoist win with these techniques, and they wanted to learn it. That's what spurred the whole thing. And then the Brazilians were like, "Holy shit, we can make some money in North America!" And they started coming, and then and it just and then it became something like way bigger than people just thought, right? Because it's not everyone can do MMA. It's hard. It takes incredible athletes, so much training, but every everyone can do jiu-jitsu, any fitness level. Like, it will get you in shape. I mean, not any fitness level, but anyone can do. Kids, senior citizens, men, women, everyone can do jiu-jitsu. I think that's why it's grown so much here in, in North America and created this culture, because it's something huge and something positive that everyone can be a part of. Uh, I think that it's changed quite a bit over the years where, like, it used to be like someone would come from Brazil and you're like, fuck, they must be good. They're from Brazil. It's not how it rolls anymore. You know what I mean? There's world champions from everywhere now where originally all the world champions were straight out of Brazil. But now that it's grown, so many people picked it up. Like a world champion from Scandinavia. There's world champions from, you know, the UK, from Canada, from the US. They're everywhere now. Like I think a lot of places actually just say, I think it's the Ontario international jiu-jitsu competition now you know what i mean it's not the brazilian jiu-jitsu competition now they've tried to make it a little more like international worldly you know what i mean where it, we we know that it's always going to be bjj but it's changed a little bit where it's not just all from there you know what i mean it's grown too much and turned into something huge so what are the basics for a champion now i know that's a difficult and lengthy question mm-hmm. but obviously You've helped MMA competitors and BJJ competitors and wrestling and grow within your ranks, but there's got to be a common set of traits. Absolutely. What makes a true champion on the basic level, you know, that you see that you know that they're going to progress as uh, competitors? The common denominators are always going to be work ethic. If you don't have work ethic, you got shit. Athleticism, right? Mental toughness, heart, you know what I mean? And willing and you got to have the willing to, willingness to do what everyone else isn't going to do but those are a few of the things that you're going to see across the board in anyone who's a champion you know what i mean like you can be a great athlete but if you don't have the work ethic to get it done it doesn't matter it's when you have a combination of those things that that makes someone special who determines a general idea of how long it takes for someone to progress in the sport whether it be on their way to their next belt, their stripes. You know, as a coach and as a owner of a training camp, and uh, you know, you have the ability to give black belts. How do how do you become someone that gives the ability? Um, I had I had leaders and professors that guided me up as well, right? So, I mean, a lot of the things that they did, or they like, there's things I disagree with, and I made adjustments in the way that I do. But I grade everyone on a curve. Everyone brings something different to the table. I mean, you don't got to be a stud athlete to be a brown belt. You can be, but, you know, if you're showing up, putting your time and you're helping others, like whether it's on the mats with technique or making sure some kid gets home after after class, you know what I mean? They, everyone brings something different to the table. So for me, my requirements are always, are you making a difference to someone else? You know, and I think that's the biggest thing for me. Like when you see, when you see someone like Jeff Muir, and, and you know Jeff fairly, you know, okay now. Like, when you see that how that guy competes, he's an animal. But when you see how he treats people outside of that, you're like, that's that's a fucking black belt right there. You know what I mean? You have, there's It's more than being on the mats. There's a lot of things that require you're required to be and do to achieve that rank. 
take time, take 10 minutes of your life and talk to Jeff Muir one day. And you're like, yeah, that's what a black belt's all about. Oh, he's coming on the show one day. Yeah. Like he's, he's just a fantastic person. Talk yeah. about personality. Yeah. No, that guy will definitely be on the show. And he's, he's somebody I wanted to talk to you about today. Mm-hmm. You know, as somebody who you have taken from white to black, do you, did he, do you know if he expected to get his black belt when he got it? Uh, I think he kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. I say I didn't really, cause we only do one grading a year and had another guy, his name's Rich Bonduck. Uh, he's moved back to Hamilton area, but I made sure that he was back. So I think Rich knew that he was getting his and then maybe Jeff kind of caught wind, but he'd been on the injury list for the last two months. So I really didn't, we, we usually when we grade people, we just beat the shit out of them. Right. So I didn't give him a beating because he was injured. Uh, he didn't look too surprised when I put it on him either. Right. He was just kind of, I mean, he was obviously happy, but he wasn't shocked that it was going down. Right. I think he had a pretty good idea. Do you know what he wants to do with that? I think he's pretty happy in the way that he has his life set up now. He has a group of his own students in Scarborough. He trains with me a couple of days a week. He's getting married and like, you know what I mean? He's, 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 he's very thankful for everything that he has in his life. I don't think he's the kind of guy that's going to be like, I'm going to open a school and do this, do that. But I don't really know. It's not a conversation that's really ever come up. You know, I know that he's a leader in every single aspect of his life and and where, whatever he decides to do, people will follow him and support him, right? So, What are the types of politics that are happening in the sport that's affecting you on a personal level, your training camp, you, even your competitors? What are you finding is politically bringing the sport down? And what do you think is politically helping the sport? Uh, I'll, to be quite honest, politically, nothing affects me at all. Don't care. I don't. If, if there are games happening and politics happening out there, I don't see them and I'm not involved in them and I don't give a shit. Like, and that's just being honest, man. Like I know there's other some, some clubs don't want to train with some clubs. Some people won't go to this tournament when they won't go to that tournament. And I'm like, I don't pay attention. I don't get involved. I don't give a shit. Said so po- politically, nothing bothers me. Nothing taints me. Don't care. I'm not in it for that. I don't. My students don't know anything about that. Right? There are people out there that I don't like and things that they do, but that's got nothing to do with my students or jujitsu. Lately, the IB. JJF has gone on the record saying that they're going to be investigating criminal background checks. Criminal background checks yeah. on black belts specifically. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know what it's like to come from a small rural town mm-hmm. where it has a more opportunity to breed trouble. Trouble. Yeah. People are bored. Mm-hmm. People get drunk and people have egos. And people have pasts. You, you especially 100%. know this. 100%. People have pasts that in a lot of ways, become rehabilitated through a sport like BJJ. What do you think the IBJJF is doing to the sport at the moment with something like these criminal background checks? Is it helping the sport? Is it going to help the sport? Or are they going to open a big can of worms? I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of it. This is, is, sorry to interrupt, but this is what you were referring to as... You know, they're setting us a guideline yeah. that's going to help carry the sport. But yeah, no, 100%. And I, I agree with them. If you're going to be in a position of power, influence, black belt, someone to run a club, look after someone's kids, there should be some, like, a, a, to be insured as a club, you have to have back, like, you have to have, you have insurance and have background checks and things like that done anyway, right? So I, I think that as, um, in a way, it's definitely really important. But at the same time, I know if if I didn't find the martial arts, I'd probably be in a pretty dark spot right now, because it kept me from going. I was on the on the fence of going down some a really bad road, 
in, in life. And I, I know a lot of my friends, and I, I, don't ha- I don't have a criminal record. I fucking should, but I don't. But I have a lot of friends over the years that have done time and then and have gotten in trouble and jiu-jitsu saved their lives after the fact. They changed their lives and the way that things were going because of jiu-jitsu. So is it fair to tell them you can't have a black belt because you did something when you're fucking 18 years old where they've turned around and become a productive member of society or a role model or whatever else like they you don't know like that piece of paper doesn't demonstrate what this person really is you know what i mean so it's really hard it's a sticky subject i mean i want to know what the guidelines are as far as what do you consider like uh if some you know what laws has someone happened to, to have broken to not be considered for a black belt yeah there's some that I'm not even going to bring up, but there's some shit out there that if this person has this kind of shit on their record, fuck them. They roost, they wasted their life. You made they made those mistakes, and you shouldn't be allowed. But there's things, you know, some kid stole a car when he's 18 years old, and now you're going to keep him from getting his black belt, which he's been working at for 10 years. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, uh, yeah. You're going to say, hey, just yeah, by the I don't, way. I don't think that's far, but I think there needs to be like, a, yeah, there needs to be like a you know a list of things that yeah, you cannot have been convicted of this. Well, I understand in a community, in a sport now that is involving a lot of younger kids, mm-hmm. that I understand. There should be, like any, like you said, there's a, a criminal background checks for for owning schools and this kind of stuff for a reason, because you're involved with children. Yeah. But for those who aren't involved with children, I mean, it's kind of hard to say because it's like all these camps now are breeding kids mm-hmm. into their system. You know, for the people that do get affected, are they going to be able to prove their case it's, it's yeah, just you yeah. know like it's there's so many variables here that i think they're just kind of th- ibj jf is kind of like you said trying to create the rules as they go now mm-hmm. and try to fit everybody into a reasonably recognizable path of yeah yeah i think um yeah we'll have to see that plays out but at least at what it will maybe it'll host some people it will you know what i mean but maybe they're setting a standard as well for the future that's really hard to uh, i don't know how that's going to play out for people. You competed for how long? 97 till 2004. How many matches? I did 10 professional MMA fights. I did you know, a few hundred judo matches, a few hundred GSE matches. You were a Canadian champion in judo? No, I never won nationals. I think uh, uh, provincials and, you know, I fought, I was on the national team sort of thing. Like I never won nationals though. But you fought on the national scale? Yeah. On a championship national scale? Yeah. What was that like? That was fun, man, because I, I didn't know anything else at the time. Like, judo was, I love judo. I do, I love martial art and I love the sport. I didn't like the politics of my level behind it, but like, yeah, to fight at a national level. Like, I mean, I was pretty much homeless when I started to compete. So, like, to go and travel and do all these cool things and, you know, all over, you know, Quebec and Western Canada it was awesome at the time. What were some of your biggest injuries? Oh, God. Uh, my, my biggest, nastiest one is my neck. My C6 and C7 have been fused. So like yeah, I had a metal plate in my neck with screws, and then now each each disc over top and underneath they're degenerative, and then uh, sorry, uh, herniated, and my whole back is degenerative disc disease now, and uh, I've hurt like I have a small tear in my bicep right now, you know what I mean? And I'm not even fighting anymore. My shoulders are messed, knees, elbows, like I've lost my teeth, had several concussions. And long term, what are your biggest concerns? Uh, I'm gonna have some real issues with the neck. It's it's extremely painful all the time, and pain to sitting down. You know what I mean? My and I've hurt my ribs pretty badly as well. And so there's never anywhere where you can sit, stand, lay down where you're not in pain. And I 
it's almost like I'm getting shorter over time. You know what I mean? Like I'm starting <laughs> to slouch more and more. It's really painful and really uh, exhausting to have a like chronic injury. And you still lift weights and I stay as active as I can. Yeah, I'm in the weight room and uh, I'm on the mats as much as I can. I, I I pick my battles carefully though. You know, I can't stop training. I can't. I'll fall. I'll die. Like that. If I just stop, if I were to actually stop training, I would shrivel up, and there'd be no reason for me to live. What does your wife think? Uh, you know, she's been with me for so long that she just gets it. It is what it is, man. This is me. How hard is it to have found somebody who understands what you have to go through? And that's with any relationship, let's be honest. Yeah, but... no, I think I think she's really, I've known her for so many years, and she's watched me from day one turn into what I am now. And I don't think, if you don't fight, or you're not from that warrior culture, I don't think you can ever understand. But she does her best to. And she's very understanding, and a, a understanding of what I what I do, what I do, and what I have to do. I say she'll never know because it's just not what she's made. That's not her DNA. But she's uh, she is understanding, and she is she's like sure, she, yeah, she doesn't want me to go train, but she'll never say that. Like she doesn't want me to fight, but she knows I'm going to fight someone. You know, I go spar every Saturday. Every, I come home, and she's like, "Do you have a black eye?" I'm like, "I don't know. Do I have a black eye?" She's like, "Yes." Who gave it to you? I'm like, "Fuck, I don't know." You just told, you're the one that told me I had it. Like. I had a dozen people punch me in the face today. And in her head, I, I know she's like, you fucking idiot. You know what I mean? But like at the same time, she she knows I'm going to do it next weekend. And she's never, never ever going to tell me not to. That's just what I am. You're boxing sparring? Oh, yeah, all the time. Really? Yeah. I kickbox three, four days a week. Kickbox? Yeah. So not Olympic American boxing? No, I box as well. Sorry, I box twice a week. Kickbox three days a week. Tie box. At your own gym? Uh, And myself and one other gym, yeah. Is your Oshawa bubble the be-all, end-all? Like, I know getting you downtown is... Uh, oh, no. A- yeah, no, no, not at all, man. From a training point of view, I'm really fortunate because there's a lot of, like, decent schools in my community that have all kind of congregated under me. We all train together. Like I said, there's enough money for everyone that we can all get along. And there's, I have a really great boxing coach that comes from another boxing gym. And I have a really great Thai boxing coach that comes his, from his gym to teach at my place. So I kind of get all these great martial arts minds in one place. So from a training aspect, I don't actually need to go very far to have great coaches around me because they've kind of migrated towards me. But as far as like outside of the martial arts, outside of training, like I love the travel of the world, man. I do it all the time. Yeah, I, I love Oshawa. It's my home. It's a fucked up place, but I love it. But I'm, I try to go as far away as often as possible and see things so that I can come back and share were you born in Oshawa? No, I was born uh, born in Newmarket. Okay, but not so far. Like no, like I've, I've, I grew similar up, towns. I grew up in Durham region. How did you meet your wife? I've known her since high school. She didn't go to the same school as me, but I met her through. She was actually dating one of my buddies from high school or something like that. And then we were kind of we talked on and off, and then some shit happened. Like that, we reconnected a few years later after school, and just like that. And then we were moved in. We started dating. Bought a place within three months of dating. Wow. Yeah. And when did you have your son? Uh, he's six now, so wow. six and a half. So yeah, 2008 he was born. Shout out to your son. Holla. That's my boy, Sammy. He's the fucking man. You're turning him into quite the rock star. He He's turning himself into the rock star. He's just so smart. He's uh, he's funny because he's not, he's, not, he's not shy, but when we're, he comes out of his shell when his mom and I aren't around. He goes to he goes to Thai boxing. He goes to wrestling, and when he's there, if I were to be there, he would kind of be subdued a little bit. Right? He's a good listener. He's very polite. He's a nice kid. When I'm not there is when he's on fucking fire. Not, you know what I mean? Like he he seems to come out of his shell a lot more. When we're not around to kind of yeah. I like it. I like the way that he is. 
what advice do you have for these competitors who want to have a family or have a family or trainers or, you know, I bet the hardest part in keeping your relationship positive in, in a place where you're coming home with black eyes and you're injured and you're sore and your, your job is just so physically draining and then you have to come home and be with Sammy and be with mm-hmm. your wife and somebody who's a teacher already has a very stressful yeah i mean she's fighting mentally with 30 plus students a yeah, day yeah yeah every hour on the hour yeah what's your secret what are the, what's some advice uh, honestly i don't know man like i'm just really lucky to have the wife that i have and that's for sure and the um i think it, like we said earlier she is very understanding and i know dealing with someone who has a chronic injury like pain that lives in pain is fucking hard man like i try to keep my game face but some days you just fall apart and the ones that you that are going to get it are your loved ones right so i'm just fortunate that she's that forgiving to me when i'm having days where i'm like this fucking sucks you know what i mean um my advice to people is take care of yourself early because you are like this this ride that's the martial arts or the fight world or whatever it's going to come to an end it might never come to an end but you're never going to do it at, you can't always do it at that same level and there is a life after so you have to be prepared for that like financially physically it's coming man and it's way longer than the ride is the martial art, the fight ride is you know what i mean you're in and out of that in a couple of years right the life after that is forever so you got to make sure you're prepared physically right have that take care of your body make sure you get an education because these things it's coming whether you like it or not man when you're young you think you're indestructible but you're not man like i feel like shit all the time now and uh, on top of my injuries like i have to do this now i don't have an education i don't have any other job skills if i don't do this i'm fucked i gotta keep it together right so it's hard to juggle everything but the better care you take your care of yourself like financially physically emotionally as you're younger and you're competitive the better off you're going to be long term, right? So you really got to, as a young athlete or fighter, got to keep your shit together. That's going to protect you later. Is there ever a moment of remorse or, you know, do you feel bad for what your wife sees you go through when you were competing, and especially when you were competing in MMA and, you know, when you were going through all the amateur fights and, and getting your ass kick and kicking ass and you know hurting your neck and you know what was it like for her the roller coaster oh i imagine it's difficult remorse fuck man i do all this again in a heartbeat because it brought me to exactly where i am right but in fine martial arts i would maybe i wouldn't have her at all so that's kind of like you got to take good with the bad yeah i suffer but at the same time like my suffering gave me her the glass is half full man that's the way you gotta look at it. And, it, you know, on some level, I'm sure she is attracted to that side. I think that my wife looks at me differently than everyone. She doesn't see what other people see. You know me pretty well now. You know that what you see on the outside isn't me, man. I know. Like, I look, I know what I look like. But you know, talking to me, you've known me for years now, that this isn't, I'm not a fucking comic book character. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a real person. I'm not a tough guy. I don't, you know what I mean? I'm not what people, if people see pictures or see me on video, they, they're expecting something else than what they get when they talk to me. She doesn't see my tattoos. She doesn't care. She doesn't care that I've ever been in a fight. You know what I mean? This shit doesn't mean anything to her. She's, she sees something else, right? Did you know that about her early on? Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I know she fell in love with me for different reasons and she knows me differently than everyone else would, right? She did this reason she loves me aren't what you see on camera. How has having Sammy changed your life 
and now that you actually have your own little competitor in the making, do you find that you want to train him? Do you want him to be I want as him, immersed as possible? No. I want him to be happy. I want him to get an education, uh, and I want him to be active. Right now, he likes going to Thai boxing and wrestling, but these weren't really things I chose. You know what I mean? There's way easier ways to make a living and live your life than being a full-time martial artist. But as long as he's happy and he's enjoying his training, I'll support it 100%. I don't necessarily – I think he wants to do jiu-jitsu now. He's brought it up. But I don't necessarily want to train him because I'm hard on my kids. And if I have a bad day on the mats or he does, I still got to go home with him afterwards. It's a hard relationship to have. But at the same time, it's given me so much that I would like to share that with him too. But I want to make sure it's the ride that he wants to take, not the one I want to give him. Do you see him training at one of your friend's uh, camps? Well, pretty like right now, honestly, right now he does. He doesn't train at my gym. Oh, not at all? Nope. He trains in the next town over. Okay. So he trains wrestling and kickboxing at a competitor's gym right now. So you're kind of already on that path yep. of it's, it's – plus it's, you know, don't do business with your friends unless – you're absolutely sure they're going to be your friends for the rest yeah. of your life and they have the best intention for you. Same with family. You know, it's tough to wear that hat. I mean, as somebody like you who wears a lot of hats, sometimes you just got to think what's best for your relationship in the long run. Yep. Yep. 100%. And that I want him to be able to, I'm going to create the opportunities and then let him to make the, make the decisions. That's it. Right. Most important thing for me, me is that he's healthy and that he gets an education, whatever he decides to do. You know, that's up to him. I also don't want to be one of those parents that, like, fucking hockey mom, hockey dad. You know what I mean? He's going to be Justin Brockman's kid. That sounds egotistical, but it's fact, man. Like, people are going to expect certain things from you because you're a Brockman. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't never want him to feel that pressure. Um, I want to talk about, lastly, the state of the UFC. Do you still follow it? Do you think it is one of the be-all, end-alls? And, you know, a lot of these kids coming in see UFC as the reason why they want to get into BJJ or wrestling or striking. You know, the combination of martial arts, you know, why they call it mixed martial arts is judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, wrestling striking, Muay Thai, all these combinations that help make champions in the end, they kind of are on best display right now in the UFC. UFC, like anything else that's gotten way too big for its own good, has become this commercial mecca mm-hmm. for the sport. Is it a good thing still? Do you think that it's it's displaying the right things to the competitors that are coming into your gym? Or I have, I'm fortunate enough that I don't advertise my club as an MMA gym. We're martial arts school, jiu-jitsu school. So I don't get that MMA douchebag thing too much. You know what I mean? I don't even pay attention to the UFC anymore. Always, I appreciate the fights when they're on. Sometimes I'll catch them, but I'm not a fan of anyone in particular. And uh, I don't get caught up in the hype train anymore because it's fucking three times a week. I can't watch anything three times a week. You know what I mean? So it's hard. They don't build this invested interest for people anymore. You know what I mean? Like they have a couple stars that they push. Everything else is just pushing people through so fast and underpaying them so badly. And I don't know, like, it is what it is. It's always going to be the biggest organization on the planet. Now, there's no one ever going to catch them. You don't think boxing is still up there as the biggest sport? Oh, huge. Boxing is enormous. It's just, it's the way that it's MMA is advertised in North America that makes it look so much bigger. I personally don't believe that MMA is even close to boxing as far on a worldwide scale. Is boxing still a trustworthy sport? 
uh, I think anytime there's money and competition, there's corruption. It doesn't at at any level. Even the amateurs, it's crooked as shit in, in certain sport. It's hard to know. Like you see a guy win every twelve rounds out of twelve rounds, and the judges throw it the other way. You know what I mean? Who knows who's getting paid here and paid there? Like all you can do as a competitor is go out there and try to kill your guy and make sure there's no doubt. Well, that's just it, right? I mean, if you really want to make sure that there's no doubt, finish your competitor. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, it's not all that easy, but that's the approach you should have every time, anyway. Is look to look to finish. So, with the state of the UFC, I mean, you hear all the big news that's coming out of it. The CM Punk WWE yeah. wrestler who quit to join, and who knows if the WWE is in on it? They've been known to do stuff like that before, and. Mm-hmm. UFC, in a lot of ways, has become this... Yeah, it's sports entertainment. Sport entertainment. Yeah, that's what it is now. You know what I mean? Like, if if there was, truly was a ranking system that was people... Different people would be getting different title shots. You know what I mean? It's people... It's what people want to pay to pay to, to, pay to watch. So you're not going to have always have the best guy fighting the best guy. You're going to have the guy that people want to pay to see. Right? It's interesting you say that because... Because the money drives the sport now, do you think that anything that drives the sport monetarily is what's ruining it? Because yeah, sadly it is. Uh, you know so what I mean? sad. It, it it is. But what can you do? That's the name of the game, though. Like if if people aren't if you're not making money, it's not going to exist. Uh, are they making too much money? The fighters aren't getting enough money. Someone's making lots of money, which is not the right people. But at the same time, I don't feel bad for anyone that signs the UFC and, and then complains that they're underpaid. You knew exactly what you're signing up for, so I don't fucking feel bad for you. you if mean, I were, you made that choice. If I were looking for local competitors putting on a show that aren't on the large scale, where would I go see that? In Ontario, nowhere. Exactly right. There's nothing going on in Ontario. What, what about Canada? Canada, man, Alberta's got a really happening scene. You can find two, three promotions in somewhere like Calgary, Edmonton, in a weekend, right? Where last year in Ontario there was four shows. But our 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 athletics commission is fucking idiots too, right? So that's a whole other. If we're not getting into that, they're a whole other problem. But like the East Coast has a thriving scene. Uh, Central, like I'm sorry, the West, like Alberta, huge. Like there's always something going on. Tons of fighters. I mean, the quality of the athletes isn't always going to be the best, but. Because they're throwing so many guys out there. They're pushing it. But at the same time, they're giving these people the opportunity to get good and compete. This, you know, Montreal used to be huge, not so much anymore. You know, it's kind of, I think they kind of watered down that market quite a bit. Do you think the UFC is watering itself down? Oh, yeah, for sure. You think it's already on the outs? Uh, Slowly? I, maybe. I th- I'm sh- it's got to drop off at some point. It's never going to go away. But the hype train is kind of slowed down, I'm sure. Like, it's not as, people aren't as crazy for it. That's why they haven't come back to Toronto in a couple of years. The first one was the biggest one ever. The second one was, meh, it's okay. But then after that, it just kind of dwindled. They know that their market's not here anymore, so they won't come back. Maybe next year or something like that. But, like, it's, it's slowing down, I'm sure. And where do you see the OJA in the next five, ten years? What are the major changes you see coming now that's helping move the sport along? I, I can't even, like, I don't know, honestly don't know enough about it to even make a comment on it. I think what those guys have done with the OGA and the way that everyone functions together really well in, in our community has been really positive. Like the tournament scene has grown huge. Huge. Huge, right? Like uh, I don't think we need more than one sanctioning body, but everyone's entitled to have a choice. But I think they've done a great thing. Like you see how big the Ontario Open is. It's, it's enormous. When we, It's three times the size when we started it five years ago. You know what I mean? So it's really growing. And I think, uh, and the OGA has been, a, I think the way that they've made things work and so that everyone can work together. I think it's been positive. I don't know where it's going, but it's, it's, it's been a good thing for the, our community for sure. Where do you see yourself five, 10, 15 years as a, as a 
coach, as a trainer, as like, what else do you want to do? Have you done it all? Are you just enjoying the life you've built for um, yourself? I would like to be better at the business side of things so that I don't have to go to work one day. I'll never retire. I'll never stop. I love doing this and I'll do it till the day I die. But I would like to not have to go to work. You know what I mean? Like, so if one day I can build my business into something that is going to supply me with an income, even though I don't have to be on the mats every day, that's what I want. So. Ideally, you'd be on the mats once a week. Yeah. Show up, you know, head up the MMA, make sure the jiu-jitsu is strong, go home, man. Physically, I can't. I can't do this for that much longer. I'm fucking falling apart, man. Like, I'm sitting in this chair for the last two hours. I feel like shit now. Yeah, we're going to so, we're gonna close up shop pretty you know, soon. You know what I mean, though? Like, I, I, I'll never not be. I'll go corner. Cornering people is the best thing in the world. It's so fun. So do you see yourself coaching like that for the rest of your life? Is oh, that for sure. As long as someone thinks I'm relevant enough to have me in their corner and as your coach, I'll go do it. Quickly talk about Lindsay Garbett's win. Mm-hmm. Just a quick, you know, tell us about the path. Tell us about the successes and what you want to see for her and your career in the near future. Um, She's had a pretty hard path. She had a great like really accomplished boxing career and then she kind of wanted to get in the transition into MMA and she came and saw me we started working together super great athlete amazing person very coachable uh her problem over the last bit has been getting her fights because people will say yes we'll fight her because she's 0-0 but then they do a little research and see they're like holy shit this girl can punch like she has a, a stellar boxing pedigree so that people get pulling out pulling out pulling out right how we, close to the fights were they well, pulling out yeah well before okay but like we've been we've been on the dotted line and people pull wow. or, or sanctioning bodies like no we're not letting this fight happen that so. must make her feel good in a way and bad in a way that she can't she just, prove herself yeah yeah you know what I, what did she say she said something awesome she's like they're asking her about her opponent and she's like you know what my opponent right now is my favorite person in the whole world <laughs> because she said yes we're gonna fight and that's all i want to do and she another thing she said in her post fight she's like i didn't come to win i come to play so i hope yeah i hope everyone enjoyed themselves watching me i'm like that was fucking a that was the right thing to say that's ufc caliber talk and she, and she is she is she's a she's a stud. like i watched her fight last weekend what she did like, it was a tough fight. We squeaked out of the decision. There's no question. But her and this other girl were the best fighters on the card, technically, by far. And the adjustments that she made throughout the fight to make sure she got the win were someone wise beyond their years. She didn't go in there to knock this girl out. She went in there to go to go a boxer. You know what I mean? She went in there to win an MMA fight. And she scored takedowns. She took the girls back. She did things like someone who had been in the game for years did. Because she knew... Like, the boxing was going okay, but she's like, I can make this easier on myself. Let's get some takedowns to change levels. She's very wise for someone in her position. What's next for Lindsay Garbett? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we have a couple people approach us about fights and also a reality show as well. So we'll see what happens. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So I, but the reality show, I think she's good. My problem with that is I'm like, you're good enough to not have to put yourself through something like that to get where you need to go that's draining but, but at the same time like so you do whatever you want to do if it, that appeals to you fucking do it right yeah. i want her to have fun also in a career choice where you're not walking away always in the black like you're saying sometimes reality tv means a little bit of extra dough in your pocket mm-hmm. which can help yep in the long run Lindsay's in a great position where she has a career she has a good job Right, so she does this purely for fun. She's not concerned about the money. This that we went and did this fight, and she she's paid very little. But when we get back, she gave me half of her purse. 
and and it said it wasn't a lot of money, but it was the fact that she was like, "Here, take this." I'm like, "Holy shit!" She her last boxing match. She already started training at my gym. Her last boxing match. She, I hadn't even held pads for her yet. She'd only been with me for a few months, and she came back from China or whatever, and she handed me an envelope full of money. She said, "This is for you." I said, "What the fuck is this for?" She said, "You're cut." I said, "I've never even tra- trained you yet." She's like, "Yeah, but I'm at your gym, and you're going to be my coach, so this is your money." You know what I mean? She doesn't do it for the money. She likes to fight. That's a rare breed. Fuck yeah. Well, I'm extremely excited to see the future. And I hope to have you back and Lindsay back. For sure. I want to have you and Jeff, you and Adrian, you and Lindsay, you and Gringo. Yep. You know. Anything you want, man. <sighs> Easier said than done getting you all the way here from Oshawa. Yeah. So now I know where you live. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, of course, man. This is fun as fuck. A long time coming. Yeah. We've been absolutely. talking about this for over a year. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, it's my pleasure. I think uh, now, and now I know kind of what you you're looking for too. So I think next time will be even more fun. So. And you're gonna listen to this, yeah. And you're gonna be like, "Wow, I'm so much more well spoken than uh, people give me credit for." Fuck yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, it was fun, man. Thank you. This has been an honor, and all the Ross Never Sleepers out there who are getting into BJJ, look up Bruckman MMA. I mean, he'll tell you from there where to go based on your location, based on what you want to do in your career. And if you're just looking to shoot us a question, post on our board, post on our comment section what you want to hear from Justin Bruckman, what you think the MMA and the BJJ community is lacking, and what you guys think we can help by bringing some uh, awareness to the community. This is Alex Ross on Ross Never Sleeps on the Never Sleeps Network. Sleep tight. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 